0: Hello, welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. And hi, my name's Kay. We are going to start out in the Book of Signs by Dr. David Jeremiah, International Signs. Go ahead, Miss Kay. Start us off. Okay. The
1: 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse is a story that can be told in five acts. In the first act, five nations in particular emerge: Israel, Europe, Russia. Babylon and America. According to the Bible, the regathering of the Jewish people back to their homeland is predicted time and again as a precursor to the end times. We also are told that in the consolidation of world power under a supreme leader in Europe is one of the essential preludes to the coming of the Antichrist. The prophet Ezekiel speaks of a day when Russia will lead an alliance of nations. It will attack Israel igniting a pivotal world war like none ever seen or imagined. And during the tribulation period, we can expect the final financial world order to be located in the city called Babylon, which will rise to power again as the rebuilt commercial capital of the world. And while America is not clearly mentioned in the Bible prophecy, it will play a role in several ways. Key alliances with other countries, a force behind world missions, and a friend to the jewish people so let's look together at the international signs that will precede god's coming judgment
0: israel may 14th 1948 was a pivotal day in human history on that afternoon a car carrying jewish leader david ben Gurion rushed down rothschild boulevard in tel aviv and stopped at the tel aviv art museum four o'clock was only minutes away and inside jewish leaders and press representatives from all over the world were assembled in an auditorium awaiting his arrival. Ben-Gurion bounded up the steps precisely at four o'clock local time. He stepped to the podium, called the meeting to order, and read these historic words. This right is the natural right of the Jewish people to be masters of their own fate, like all the other nations, in their own sovereign state. Accordingly, we are here assembled and by virtue of our natural and historic right and on the strength of the resolution of the United Nations General Assembly, hereby declare the establishment of a Jewish state in Eretz Israel to be known as the State of Israel.
1: 6,000 miles away, President Truman sat in the Oval Office reading a statement. He signed his approval and noted the time, 6.10 p.m. One minute later, the White House press secretary read the release to the world. The United States had officially recognized the birth of the modern nation of Israel. Isaiah's prophecy, written 740 years before the birth of Jesus, declared, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? Secular Israel was born that day.
0: In the past seven decades, this tiny nation with a population of 8.5 million has become the geopolitical center of the world. Why is this so? Why is a fledging country with a total land space smaller than New Jersey mentioned in the nightly news more than any other nation except the United States? To answer these questions, we must understand what happened on that day in 1948, what is happening today in Israel, and how these events affect the entire world. For answers, we turn not to the evening news or the front page of the newspaper, but to the Bible.
1: The Abrahamic Covenant. The story of Israel begins in the book of Genesis. The Almighty God of heaven and earth made a binding covenant with Abraham who was to be the father of the Jewish nation. The provisions of that covenant are recorded in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, in which God said, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. To the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed.
0: Okay, that has always been amazing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. When you're a child of God, trust me when I say that he is so good to his people. He truly is.
1: He truly is. It's yes.
0: it's it's amazing. God's covenant with Abraham consists of four unconditional promises. First, God promised to bless Abraham. That promise has been lavishly kept. Abraham has been blessed in many ways for thousands of years. Abraham has been revered by Jews, Christians, and Muslims alike. Second, God promised to bring out of Abraham a great nation. Currently, more than 6 million Jews live in Israel alone. Another 5 million live in the United States and a significant Jewish population remains scattered throughout the world.
1: Third, God promised to make Abraham a blessing to many. Just think what the world would be missing if it had not been for the Jews. Without the Jews we would have no Bible. Without the Jews, there would be no Ten Commandments. And the basis of jurisprudence among most of the civilized nations of the world. Without the Jews, there would have been no Jesus. Without the Jewish Jesus, there would be no Christianity. Fourth, God promised to bless those who blessed Israel and curse those who cursed her. He has kept this promise faithfully. I believe one of the reasons America has been blessed as a nation is that she has become a homeland for the Jewish people. Here, Jews can retain their religion. Here, they can have economic, social, and educational opportunities. Today, the Christian church in America stands firmly between the Jewish people and the repetition of any further anti-Sentimism.
0: God's covenant with Abraham reveals both the mission and future of God's chosen nation. Studying these promises will give us great help in understanding the present unrest in the Middle East, the future of the Israeli nation and how the destiny of today's nations will be affected by their stance towards God's chosen people. This historic document includes seven important features. The Abrahamic covenant is an unconditional
1: covenant. Seven times in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, God declared in emphatic terms what he would do for Abraham. His covenant with Abraham was unconditional. And he ratified it in a ceremony described in Genesis 15. In the Jeremiah Study Bible, I explain the meaning of this ceremony. To establish and confirm a covenant in Abram's day, usually the two parties would walk between the pieces of the sacrificial animals, saying in effect, may what has happened to these creatures happen to me if I break the covenant. Because of this Yahweh's sovereign covenant with with Abram, Not an agreement between eagles, symbols of God, a smoking oven, and a burning torch passed between those pieces. Abraham did not. The Lord made the covenant with no conditions, independent of Abraham, and he would fulfill it in his time. No provision was made for this covenant to be revoked, and it was not subject to amendment
0: or annulment. A personal covenant. In his covenant with Abraham, God promised extravagant blessings not only to Abraham's descendants, but also to Abraham himself. I will bless you and make your name great. In Genesis 12, God addressed Abraham using the personal pronouns you and your 11 times. The promises are ultimately far-reaching and eternal, and they were made first of all to Abraham personally and each has been fulfilled.
1: God directed Abraham to travel to the land he promised to his descendants and Abraham found it to be as Moses later described a rich land flowing with milk and honey. His flocks and his herds increased exponentially and he became an extremely wealthy man. Yes this land would be the eternal possession of his descendants but it was also Abraham's personal home throughout his life. God promises to make Abram's name great has also been lavishly fulfilled, even in his own time. Abram was known throughout the land as a rich and powerful leader who was highly respected and feared.
0: A national covenant. In the second verse of God's covenant with Abraham, he said, I will make you a great nation. The ultimate greatness of the nation of Israel awaits the millennium. But by all the common standards of evaluation. Israel is a great nation today. Professor Rubinstein gives us an impressive summary of Israel's national achievements. Minute in size, not much bigger than a sliver of Mediterranean coastline, it has withstood continuing Ahab onslaughts, wars, bo- boycotts, and terrorism. It has turned itself from a poor rural country to an industrial and post-industrial powerhouse, it has reduced social, educational, and health gaps. Between Arabs and Jews, some of its achievements are unprecedented. A territorial covenant. All of God's covenant promises to
1: Abraham, I believe, were the most amazing in his promise concerning the land. God told Abraham to leave his country his family, and his father's house and go to the land that I will show you. God then led Abraham to the land that would belong to his descendants forever.
0: How hard would that be for you to do if God said that to you? If he said, Mm -mm. leave your home, you're going into ministry abroad, full time to different countries. Yeah, that that wouldn't be easy. No, it should not. It would not be easy, would it? Uh Uh-uh but no, but he listened and he did did and look what happened yeah yeah so do the
1: disciples yes they listened to
0: yes Hmm.
1: (laughs) the land promised to abraham and is described as a clear geographical boundaries it takes in all the land from the mediterranean sea As the western boundary of the euphrates river as an eastern boundary the prophet ezekiel fixed the northern boundary at hamath 100 miles north of damascus and the southern boundary at kadesh about 100 miles south of jerusalem if israelis were currently occupying all the land that god gave to them they would control all the holdings of the present day israel lebanon the West Bank of Jordan, plus substantial portions of Syria, Iraq, and Saudi Arabia.
0: The strange thing is Israel has never in its long history occupied anywhere near this much land, not even at the height of its glory days under David and Solomon. The fact has caused many biblical scholars to spiritualize the meaning of the term land and equate it with heaven. Others claim these promises were conditional and were forfeited by Israel's disobedience. refutation of these interpretations, Dr. John F. Walvoord wrote, The term land used in the Bible means exactly what it says. It is not talking about heaven. It's talking about a piece of real estate in the Middle East. After all, if all God was promising Abraham was heaven, he could have stayed in the Ur of Chaldees. Why go on a long journey? Why be a pilgrim and a wanderer? No, God meant land.
1: Any normal readings of Scripture recognizes Canaan as an actual place, a piece of real estate, as expanse of soil that belongs to Abraham's descendants forever. In fact, that Israel has been disposed of the land in three periods of its history, it is not an argument against its ultimate possession. Occupation is not the same as ownership. After each dispossession, God brought Israel back to its original promised land. God has consistently kept His promise to Abraham, and that gives us absolute assurance that He will keep it in the future.
0: The turmoil over Israel's right to its land will not cease till the end, for the land provision of the Abrahamic covenant is at the core of the hatred of the Middle Eastern nations for Israel today. But ignoring God's care and protection of Israel is extremely dangerous. The land of Israel is so important to God that according to Deuteronomy 11:12, it is a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Well, Okay, that will wrap it up until next time. We will read about another covenant. Thanks for stopping by. Have a blessed week. Thank you.